What's up, everybody? Welcome into HeartlandCollegeSports.com's recap and reaction show to Week 12. I'm Pete Mundo. It's great to be here with you, owner of HeartlandCollegeSports.com. Thanks for joining us on Facebook Live on the podcast. We're popping this up on Instagram Live today as well. So we are so appreciative that you're here, that you're joining us to talk about five great games in the Big 12 Conference on Saturday, the second to last week of the regular season. Can you believe that? My goodness. So we're going to talk about all five games today and run through the show. And I'll begin. I'll begin with, of course, the first game of the day. And it happened to be the best game of the week. And not just the Big 12, but I would say all of college football. And ECU coming back for a 29-28 win over the Baylor Bears. My goodness, what a game. So TCU is trailing uh, 28-20 in this game, and then they put together a strong touchdown drive with their second-to-last drive of the game, and they missed the two-point conversion. Now, I, I thought that Max Duggan missed on that pass on the two-point conversion. A lot of people were like, oh, it was a drop ball. I, that, that was not a great throw by Max Duggan on that two-point conversion. But then they get the ball back, I thought Baylor was far too conservative on their last couple of drives. I mean, Baylor's last two drives, six plays, six rushes, 15 yards. That was a bad scene, a very bad scene uh, for Baylor, who was having success, especially rushing the ball. So uh, they just basically said, we're going to run the ball three times, and then we're going to punt it, and TCU had all his timeouts. So then TCU gets the ball back down 28-26. They're at their own 31-yard line, and they take the ball down the field. Max Duggan was great once again, a couple of big-time completions. Uh, also used his legs those last couple of drives. And then, and then, on the final play, well, second-to-last play, third and seven, Baylor 26, 17 seconds left. DeMarcado runs the ball for two yards to the Baylor 24. They run on the field. TCU's running on the field. They don't have any timeouts left. They got to get Griffin Kell in position to kick the game-winning field goal, and he nails it from 40 yards out. And TCU wins the game 29-28 to in the best game in the Big 12 this season, especially considering what was on the line with TCU improving to 11-0 and being in a position to make the college football playoff if they win two more games. That's where TCU is at right now. That's the kind of position that they find themselves in at this point in time. Now, a lot of talk about how uh, Baylor should have been able to slow down the substitution process because TCU subbed. As I read the rules after the game, they couldn't have done that. They could not have done that because of the fact that it was fourth down, rushing on for a field goal. Baylor could not have run out the clock in that situation. And frankly, that's the right move. They shouldn't be allowed to run out the clock in that situation. So that's a lot of people emailed me about that, tweeted about that. Um, that, that could not have worked to Baylor's advantage in that spot. As I understood it, looking at some of the, uh, the rules after the game, because I heard that a lot from different people. Hey, what about this? What about that? It would not have worked that way. Now, here's the reality. TCU wins out, and they are in the college football playoff. There's no questioning that. There's no debating that. Heck, I could make a case 
for a one-loss TCU team to be in the college football playoff. Now that's not going to happen because if they lose to Iowa State this weekend, that's a bad loss, right? We can all agree it's a bad loss if TCU loses to uh, 4-7 and seven Iowa State. And then if they lose to K-State, you know, you're not going to get in as a non-Big 12 champion with one loss. You just you, you can't get in. The reality is the only conference, maybe two, but certainly the only conference that's going to get into a college football playoff without being a conference champion is the SEC. It's a scam. It's ridiculous. It's bogus. But, but... That's how it goes. We understand how this sport is. We understand the bias that's involved in this sport, but that's just how it goes. And that's how it's going to continue to go, whether we like it or not. That's how it's going to continue to play out. TCU is not going to get in unless it's undefeated. I think it's kind of ridiculous that you can't even have the conversation around a Big 12 team getting in with one loss as if they're somehow like a group of five conference. But that's just, unfortunately, how that conversation has unfolded. On Facebook Live, Scott writes, at least Tennessee lost, so they're not in the playoff hunt anymore. I know. I saw Tennessee. Tennessee fans were crowing. Did you see Tennessee fans? You know, they haven't been good in two decades, so I forgot what a bunch of losers Tennessee fans are. But my goodness, Tennessee fans. Uh, these folks, they were watching, you know, because Michigan was struggling yesterday, Ohio State was struggling, TCU was struggling, and they're like, if we went out, we're totally in. There's no doubt about it. We're in the college football playoff. And then they gave up 63 points to Spencer Rattler and South Carolina. I'm not a Spencer Rattler fan, but at least for a day I am. At least for a day, I'm a Spencer Rattler fan because, goodness gracious, Tennessee fans have been unbearable. Oh, we should be in there. We're ready for the big time. Oh, yeah, we're going to be great. And then he got smoked by South Carolina. My goodness, what a what an absolute joke Tennessee fans had become over the last couple of weeks. I was just as happy about that as I was the TCU win on Saturday. And before you say you're biased, remember this. I run this site. I love the Big 12. I'm a Big 12 guy through and through. This is the league, this is the conference that I want to see succeed, obviously, more than any other. It is right now good for the Big 12. And by the way, the Big 12 will make more money. Everybody will make more money if TCU wins out and makes the college football playoff. I'm not saying that if you're an Iowa State fan, you should not want the Cyclones to upset the Horned Frogs and spoil their season. You should. If K-State ends up getting into the Big 12 title, if they beat Kansas on Saturday, K-State fans should be out in full force down in Arlington trying like heck to beat the TCU Horn Frogs, win the Big 12, and spoil their season. I'm just saying, if you do what I do, and I'm just here to be transparent and honest with you guys, it is good for the Big 12, and frankly, I think it's good for everybody in the Big 12, if they have a representative not named Oklahoma in the college football playoff. Because... The country needs to see what this league is. And if TCU could be the first Big 12 team to ever win a game in the college football playoff and play for a national championship, could you imagine what that does for this brand, the Big 12 brand, especially with Oklahoma and Texas leaving? Because there are people who want to treat the Big 12 and will want to treat the Big 12 like a group of five conference once OU and Texas are gone. Trust me, they're out there. And they're going to be in full force. 
So I'm just giving you the big picture 35,000-foot view on what this looks like for the Big 12 Conference moving forward and how this could play out as well. So heck of a comeback win for TCU in this game. Max Duggan, those of you asking, yes, he should be uh, down in – he should be over in New York for the Heisman Trophy uh, ceremony. I'm not saying he's going to win it or should win it, but he should be there for the ceremony, no doubt in my mind. Now, speaking of Kansas State, let's look at this Kansas State team, which rolled West Virginia in Morgantown 48-31 to on Saturday. Will Howard, I mean, this guy, man, I'll tell you what. It does make you wonder if Will Howard had been the starting quarterback for the previous month of the season, do they lose to Texas? Like, it's a fair question to ask. Do they lose to Texas if Will Howard's the starting quarterback in that game? I can make a very strong case. The answer to that is no. This guy is able to spread the field in a way that, that Adrian Martinez simply can't. Uh, you look at throwing for 300 yards, 19-27. I know the Mountaineers are not a good defensive team and just not a good team for that matter. But uh, multiple guys getting in on the mix. Malik Knowles, Phillip Brooks, Cade Warner, uh, Sammy Wheeler. I mean, he was spreading that ball around beautifully on Saturday in Morgantown. He was crips, crisp getting the ball down the field. Combine that with the running game, and you're seeing there's less pressure on guys like Deuce Vaughn. Now, Deuce didn't have that big breakout run on Saturday. He had 67 rushing yards and a touchdown, but he doesn't need to do as much of that. He just doesn't need to. Kansas State is playing outstanding right now. And, uh, like, you go into a rematch with TCU, if K-State's the favorite, I wouldn't be shocked because of how well they've been playing as of late. I mean, they are absolutely phenomenal with how this team looks. Uh, the, the way they started off this game on Saturday... Uh, four touchdowns out of the gate. I mean, you know, obviously one was uh, a pick six. But if K-State goes touchdown, drive, pick six, touchdown, 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 field goal, 38 points on technically not six drives because the pick six doesn't count as a drive. I, you can't ask for a better start for Kansas State. Who's now eight and three, six and two in the conference, and if they win on Saturday, they are in the Big Twelve Championship game. And Chris Kleiman, he really needs that. I'm not saying he's going anywhere, obviously. I'm not suggesting that K State fans are gonna ride him if he doesn't get there, although if they lose to Kansas, that would be a bad loss on Saturday. At home against a real NKU team that's lost what, four or five? That would be a bad loss. There's no doubt about it. But Chris Kleiman has been around now, taking over for Bill Snyder. He had to rebuild the program. It didn't have the depth that he knew it needed to have to compete at the top of the Big 12. The recruiting was bad the last couple of years under Bill Snyder, and it showed. And Kleiman is now in a situation where he's gotten this thing back in position to compete at the top of the Big 12 conference. So if they win on Saturday, they're in. And you know what? Deuce Vaughn, this is it for him. Deuce Vaughn is not going to be around next season. He should be going to the NFL. So you, this is your opportunity because of what you have on both sides of the ball for Kansas State to win, to get to a Big 12 championship, and then who the heck knows? But clearly the college football playoff committee also has respect for Kansas State because at number 15, they are the highest ranked, the highest ranked team uh, three-loss team in the college football playoff rankings. That says something. 
And that's that's worth something for this team. So all in all, a very, very good game for Kansas State, and uh, they should be thrilled. Now, on the other side, Neil Brown, I, I mean, it feels like we're kind of in the days for Neil Brown. Right? It's just a matter of when. Shane Lyons, the AD, got blown out at West Virginia. Neil Brown's done. He's a dead man walking. Did you see the crowd in Morgantown? I, I know, you know, the weather didn't look great. And I know the team isn't very good. But the they announced an attendance of 37,000 people. There's no way there were 37,000 people at that stadium yesterday for that game on senior day to send off guys like Dante Stills. You feel bad because Dante Stills is a tackle for lost machine, one of the better defenders West Virginia's had in years, if not one of the best ever they've had in years. And he's here for just a mediocre four years of Mountaineer football. If he had been around... For some of those Dana Holgerson years, that team might have competed atop the Big 12 and played for a Big 12 championship because that team lacked a defense under Dana some of those years. So you feel bad that you waste this kind of a talent on a mediocre stretch of West Virginia football, but I don't see how, anyway, Neil Brown now officially at seven losses, not going to a bowl game, ending year four, how he, how he keeps this job. I, there's no way a new AD is going to give an extra year to Neil Brown. I know it's a lot of money. It's going to be $16 bucks, but goodness, you just can't continue like this. You can't. Next up, uh, Texas smoking Kansas 55-14. to Wow. B. John Robinson, 243 rushing yards on 25 carries, four touchdown runs. You know, I said uh, going into this game, the thing that concerned me the most was how KU would stop the run because they gave up 250 rushing yards to Texas Tech. What is B. John Robinson going to do? Well, now we know what he did. And as a team, Texas rushed for 427 yards. Six rushing touchdowns. Texas, to its credit, I thought Texas might come into this game being like, we're out of the, we're out of the big, I mean, they're not really out of the Big 12 race, but they don't control their own destiny in the Big 12 race after their loss to TCU last week. We're kind of out of the Big 12 race. We got to go to Lawrence. It's cold, you know, and I thought KU would be up for this one, and they weren't. This may have been the worst coach game of Lance Leipold's two years in Lawrence. Uh, it was ugly. They had no juice coming out of this thing. Uh, Texas was up 31-zip at halftime. The game was effectively over. And you wonder, like, I don't think it really would have mattered. They couldn't stop anybody. But did Kansas start the wrong guy at quarterback? Jalen Daniels came back. He's been out since the TCU game, and he's a great player. But Jason Bean had this offense humming. Once again, I don't think that made a difference. They lost 55-14. to But it's a fair conversation to have. And uh, Quinn Ewers didn't do much at quarterback for Texas, but he didn't have to do much when you rushed for 427 yards. He was 12-21, 107 yards with a touchdown pass to uh, Keelan Robinson. So I didn't need to do much. When you're rushing the ball at a 7.5 yard per carry clip, why try to fix what's not broken? Just keep pounding that rock. But that was a huge letdown, an absolutely huge letdown for uh, Kansas on Saturday. They came out flat. I know they're going to a bowl game, so you hate to sit here with Kansas football and be like, oh, boy, the season started off great. Is it now a disappointment? Well, it's not a disappointment because 
KU fans would be pinching themselves if you told them they'd be 6-5 and five going into the K-State game. They'd be going bonkers if you told them that back in uh, September, August, whatever. But, I mean, you lost 5-6. of six. You had your worst performance of the season on Saturday against Texas. And it came out with no juice. It's fair to say that that game uh, did not go as planned. And it is a disappointment with the way the last couple of weeks have played out for this, uh, for this Kansas Jayhawks team. But now Texas is still in the hunt. So Texas, here's what has to happen for Texas to reach the Big 12 championship game against TCU. Texas needs to beat Baylor on Friday. They've got an 11 a.m. kickoff on Friday. And then they need need K-State to lose to Kansas on Saturday night. Texas can beat Baylor. But I have a hard time seeing Kansas going to Manhattan on Saturday night and beating K-State with how Kansas has been reeling these last few weeks. I don't see how that happens. But Texas can very well make a Big 12 championship game. They just need some help. And uh, Steve Sarkeesian gets this team to 8-4 and four if he wins the game on Friday in year two. And you don't feel great. I mean, you know, you saw the report maybe this week that Sonny Dykes, apparently, apparently Chris Del Conte, the Texas AD wanted Sonny Dykes as his head coach a couple of years ago after they fired Tom Herman. And the Texas boosters were like, no, Steve Sarkeesian. I'm not saying Sark's a, a, a you know, flame out or anything like that. But with what Sonny Dykes is doing in year one under uh, with TCU, you know, it's fair to sit there and say, yeah, 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 what if? Maybe Sonny would have been better. Who knows? There's no way of knowing for sure, but uh, Texas can still make a Big 12 title game and win a Big 12 title. And you know what? With one week to go, that's a good place to be in considering where they were last year. Uh, Next up, Texas Tech beating Iowa State 14-10. Hats off to the Red Raiders. This is not the kind of game that Texas Tech wants to play. It's 10 degrees names Iowa. Iowa State's got the best defense in the Big 12. And Texas Tech, to his credit, the defense was great. They held Iowa State to three yards per carry. Uh, They did a pretty good job against Hunter Deckers overall. And they win an ugly game in the cold at night in Ames, Iowa, 14-10. That's what you like to see. And the Texas Tech defense, I know we never really, I mean, talk about Texas Tech's defense in general. But... Texas Tech's defense has been underratedly good this year. Like, just in general, they're near the top of the Big 12 in sacks. They had two on Saturday against Iowa State. They had seven tackles for loss against the Cyclones. That is an impressive performance when you're the team from Texas coming up to Ames, Iowa in single-digit wind chills at night and winning a tough game on the road. That showed me a toughness that this program will have under Joey McGuire that I wasn't convinced they were ever going to have. I just don't think about Texas Tech and toughness. I think about back to the Mike Leach era, the high-flying offenses, everything else, to Cliff Kingsbury, to Matt Wells. They had no identity under Matt Wells. There was nothing to speak of there in terms of identity. But that's what I like, and that's the kind of football you want to see from a Joey McGuire team. That was as impressive a game as Texas Tech has played in years. I mean, I seriously mean that. They got the bowl eligibility with the win. That is huge for a first-year head coach. He gets a few extra weeks of offense, uh, of uh, practice with his guys. You love to see that. You cannot understate how critical 
the extra two, three, four weeks of practice can be for a team under a first-year head coach. Implementing the system, the culture, those things matter. And now Texas Tech, I mean, they're going to play Oklahoma this weekend. Both teams became bowl eligible on Saturday, so there's not a lot of pressure from that perspective. But, I mean, Tech's hit the over. The over-under win total for them was 5.5. They hit the over. They can get the 7-5 and five if they beat OU. And uh, this is a very successful year one for Joey McGuire, who's doing all this without an offensive line, let me add. All this success without an offensive line for Joey McGuire. What more can you ask for? Now, for Iowa State, they now have six of their seven losses by one score or less. I look at it and I say you got a lot of young guys, first-time starters, learning how to play Big 12 football, learning the system. I don't think it's anything more than that. I saw some Iowa State fans losing it on Saturday night. Coach Matt Campbell better figure this thing out. Or what? You going to go back to Paul Rhodes? Please. Don't be ridiculous, Iowa State fans. Please don't be ridiculous. You lost guys to the NFL. Let me repeat. Iowa State lost multiple guys to the NFL. They then had to rebuild. They had to get first-year starters. That's how it works, from quarterbacks to running backs to both lines to all over the field. You've got sophomores and juniors, first-year players, littered all over the starting roster of both sides of the ball. Don't be stupid. Don't be overly emotional. Don't be ridiculous. You still have one of the best program builders in college football today. Out of, what, 130 FBS teams, I can only think of probably one hand, maybe two hands of coaches you'd say, I want that guy for the next five years instead of Matt Campbell. Seriously, I genuinely mean that. So I understand you're frustrated. Your team's 4-7. and seven. It's not going to a bowl game. It's 1-7 and seven in the Big 12. I get it. That's not up to the standards of what Campbell and this staff have built in recent years. All very legitimate complaints, but don't be dumb about it. Don't take it from, you know, legitimately saying, hey, where did the season go wrong and why? Too stupid. Just don't do that. It's not necessary. Now, you want to say, hey, the offense needs more creativity. Tom Manning's not cutting it. Legitimate conversation. Okay, let's, let's have the conversation. Let's talk about that. Let's figure out why this offense continues to trail. I'm not saying the offense has to match the defense. That's nearly impossible to do. But why can't the offense pick up the slack and, and just, you know, can you give me 20 points a game, right? Because at this point, that's been a tough thing to do for Iowa State most of the season. Can you give me 20 points? Can you give me three touchdowns? I'll take uh, two touchdowns and a field goal or two touchdowns and two field goals to get me to 20. Legitimate conversation, but don't be ridiculous about the Matt Campbell part of this because that's just crazy. That's just crazy, crazy, crazy talk. Last but not least, Bedlam. Bedlam, Bedlam, Bedlam. Oklahoma beating Oklahoma State 28-13 to in one of the uglier games you're going to watch this college football season. That was hideous. Absolutely hideous. So Oklahoma comes out of the gates and puts 28 points on the board in the first quarter. Literally, 28 points, uh, their first four drives, touchdown, touchdown, punt, touchdown, fumble, touchdown. 
touchdowns on four of their first six drives. And you're like, holy cow, Mike Gundy's going to get blown out against the worst Oklahoma team in 25 years. But then Oklahoma's like, no, 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 no. We don't want to blow you out. Let's try to screw up this game as best we can. That's basically what Oklahoma did in this one. That was embarrassing for both teams. It was embarrassing with how flat Oklahoma State came out in a rivalry game on the road, um, You know, considering that they had every reason to believe they could win this game in Norman against the worst Oklahoma team in a quarter century. That's embarrassing. How Oklahoma played in the second half was completely embarrassing. Look at This is Oklahoma's second half. Four plays, eight yards. Five plays, 17 yards. Three plays, five yards. Three plays, two yards. Three plays, seven yards. Three plays, eight yards. Three plays, nine yards. Three plays, five yards. That's Oklahoma's second half. And Oklahoma State's defense... Hang on one second. Stupid ads that we get on here. Oklahoma State's defense is not good. Oklahoma State's defense is not good. We know that. The numbers back it up. And Oklahoma made Oklahoma State look out to be the 1985 Bears in the second half of that game. And by the way, they weren't even burning clock. That was a conversation on the broadcast. It was a conversation on social media. And I didn't hear Jeff Levy really address it, but Oklahoma State arguably got an extra possession or two because Oklahoma, when it was just trying to you know, run out the clock, was not letting the play clock run down to five. They were snapping the ball with 20 seconds left on the play clock. Like, if you're trying to run out the clock, I understand. If you're like, our defense is playing really well, let's just get out of here with a win. I understand. But then you've got to burn the play clock down to near zero. And they were snapping the ball with an easy 15, 20 seconds to go on the play clock every time. It just didn't make any sense. It did not make an ounce of sense. I don't know what the the thought process was there for Jeff Lebby and the Oklahoma Sooners. Now, they got the win. So you sit there and say, you know what? You won the game. You won Bedlam. You're bowl eligible. All that's well and good. But if you actually pick apart this game a little bit, it was not pretty. It wasn't pretty for either side. Now, Oklahoma State fans are ragging on Mike Gundy. He's now 3-15 and 15 in Bedlam. I, I, you know, I think it's fair to say, why does Mike Gundy struggle so much in Bedlam? For whatever reason, when OU's on the opposite sideline, he just doesn't have it. I don't know. I don't know how to answer that. But I do know this. Two things can be true at once. You can question why Mike Gundy struggles in Bedlam, but then also look at it, step back, take out the emotion, and say, you still have one of the best coaches in America. What this guy has done for Oklahoma State football, he's got seven 10-win seasons in 18 years. Before Mike Gundy became the head coach, Oklahoma State had three 10-win seasons in 105 years. He's got 17 bowl appearances. That's one more than OU had the previous 105 years. You can be grateful for his accomplishments and still bothered by these continued letdowns against Oklahoma. But the notion that he's going to go anywhere, that anything, uh, you know, like the one thing I want answered and the one thing that I would look at if I was Mike Gundy is figuring out why your offensive line is such a mess. Now, and it's been going on for a couple of seasons. He, he cited touch or he cited injuries on Saturday night after the game. It's more than that. It's got to be more than that. It can't just be injuries. They have not had a good run-blocking offensive line 
in at least a couple of seasons. And it's only getting worse. That's the problem as well. I mean, Spencer Sanders was running for his life most of the night on Saturday, and he's banged up too. So it's easy to just cite injuries, but there's more to it than that. There's absolutely got to be more to it than that. So all in all, uh, disappointing and just an ugly game, but OU gets out of there with a win. Uh, Let's look at your comments now on Facebook Live. We're on Instagram, of course, on the podcast. Let's see. Uh, Pete, the playoffs need to be the Power Five and Group of Five Conference champs. Two best records from the independents. No more voting. I'm fine with that, Eric. I'm fine. I agree. This whole committee thing, I mean, I've gone off on that many times. It's ridiculous. Uh, Pete, at this point, I'm just wondering when West Virginia is actually going to fire Neil Brown. Thought it would happen already. I'd be shocked if they keep him one more year. I think the buyout drops at the end of the season, so that's probably at this point what they're waiting for. Uh, let's see. Pete, TCU is going to beat K-State twice. Pete, my girlfriend and I cried after the TCU game. What Max Duggan did was impressive. It was a Heisman statement drive. I don't blame you for I be I you know what? If you're a diehard TCU fan, I respect you for crying after that game. I was jumping around the living room with the two girls, just like every play, I'm like, oh, ah, ooh, ah. You know, I was going crazy. Just because it was a great game. And I'm obviously not a TCU fan. I'm a Big 12 guy. But that game was so good, I have not emotionally reacted to a game like that all season long. That's how incredible that game was. So I don't blame you one bit. I love that. A lot of you commenting, expecting TCU K-State on Instagram Live. Some people are wondering about Chris Kleiman to Nebraska. I don't see it. I don't see it. I know that people might be talking about that. But I don't see that happening. I think Kleiman knows he's got a great thing going. He's finally got K-State in the place that he wants it. And Nebraska is a dumpster fire. Nebraska is an absolute dumpster fire. I don't see why he'd go down that road right now. Hey, if you're on YouTube, subscribe to the channel. We'd appreciate you doing that. Um, Instagram, thank you guys for being here as always. Facebook, share the video. That's a great way to help this show grow. And those of you on the podcast, you know the drill. You know the drill. Koozies. Koozies for you podcast listeners, uh, a Heartland College sports koozie. I'm flashing it right now on YouTube and Facebook and Instagram. All you got to do is leave a rating and a review. Leave a five-star rating and review and send me a screenshot of your rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com, and you'll get a free Heartland College sports koozie when you leave that rating and review. So thank you guys for doing that. Thank you for being a part of the show. And as always... We couldn't do it without you. We're reaching millions of Big 12 fans every month because of you. We've got no big backers behind us. It is just you. It is us here at heartlandcollegesports.com covering the Big 12. Have a great rest of your day. We'll be talking to you soon. Last week of the regular season. Can't believe it. Plenty of great shows coming your way. Talk to you then. I'm Pete Mundo. Take care.